Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about living the van life. We remind you that a good deworming won't do anything for COVID. We report on those retirees who have forsaken their home for the van life. Our chief aging officer celebrates getting gray. We expand your vocabulary with another useless word. And we all breathe a sigh of relief now that Robert Durst is finally being put behind bars. The Old Dog's conversation is with Marcy Banner, an actress who loves bringing the theater to children. Stay with us. Mr. Menzel. Hello. What is on that mysterious mind of yours today? Well, you know what I have been ruminating about? No, I don't. We have a pod nugget about what's called van life. Yes, we do. And this is a group of people that have chosen to live a nomadic life living out of a van. And uh, they move from seasonal job to seasonal job. And... um, there was a movie, Nomad Land, that uh, was quite popular. Uh, I think it was last year uh, that kind of explored that life. And so, of course, what I'm thinking is, oh, gee, wouldn't that be kind of neat to do? Sell the house. First, I'd have to talk my wife into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then pack into a van yeah, and hit the road. Right. Yeah. I have had the same conversation with my wife, and it appeals to both of us, actually. Really? Yes. Packing up in a van. Well, not necessarily selling the house. Now, maybe this is the sort of thing you do in stages, uh, that you rent some sort of RV first. No, I think that's called chicken shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to try it, but by golly, we're going to keep that house. Well, these, yeah. are people, these are people that sell the house or never oh, had yeah, a house. I know, but that's and not that's, first. that's their lifestyle. I know, and it, perhaps— They're gypsies. A lot of people our age are doing it because they think it's going to be fun. They don't have a job. They can just go around and visit friends and visit beautiful places. That's the thing that I'm talking about. Oh, I see. But again, this is not uh, van lifers. No. And so that that's the life I was really kind of fantasizing about. You know, the, uh, part of it is quite appealing. It's cheap. You know, you can decide to move on whenever you want to, you yep. know. Uh, but then when you start thinking about it practically, oh, where would I put my books? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's also corollary to that. And I actually have friends who have done this. Uh, they lived on a boat for a good number of years uh, in the Caribbean. Okay. Yeah. But did they move from place to place? They did. Uh, they Their base was Trinidad, and that's where they mostly stayed. But they would occasionally foray around. In fact, they went through the Panama Canal once. So they did visit places and live in those places for some time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, they had storage, you know, so the books couldn't, you couldn't fit those in a 35-foot catch. But you could have a storage facility to get back to. Unless it was halfway around the world and you needed a book that night. Especially if it was a dictionary. Well, you know, I guess that's an equivalency. Now, me on a boat, I would probably drown. 
So I would have to go with some kind of a four-wheel option. But it is it, that sounds like a very parallel uh, kind of a thing to do. And it doesn't appeal to me, though. Yeah. It would be a big step, I think, to actually do that in lieu of a home, of a fixed dwelling place. That this is the only place you have to live is it's got wheels on it. Yes, uh, and there are only so many Walmarts before <laughs> you say enough. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Yeah, and when is Walmart going to crack down on these people? I'd like to know. Yeah, really? Are they buying anything, even <laughs> toilet paper? Is there any business reason? Health officials are warning us about taking a livestock deworming drug to prevent COVID. Oh my gosh, where do these people come from that would prefer a deworming to a proven vaccination? This pod nugget is from Sky News for August 23rd, 2021. I guess it's not surprising that in a country where about half the population is avoiding a proven treatment for COVID, there are some fringe dwellers that will come up with their own cure. One current internet recommendation is for the veterinary medicine called ivermectin. Folks, this is a medicine that's used to deworm horses and cows. The FDA has received multiple reports of patients hospitalized after self-medicating with this drug intended for large farm animals. Okay, let's allow that some of these folks were actually interested in a deworming. Let's say 10%. We're assuming they achieved their objective after a brief hospital stay. The rest are taking ivermectin as a cure for COVID, trusting the bogus information on the internet from influencers. The popular podcaster Joe Rogan, who was diagnosed with COVID, announced that he's been taking ivermectin. The conspiracy theorists Alex Jones and Brett Weinstein have both popped ivermectin pills on air. These are not medical practitioners, guys. These are entertainers. Trust your own doctor for medical advice, not your favorite podcaster. And quit looking on the Internet for alternatives to the only proven treatment for COVID, one of the three approved vaccinations. A recent movie called Nomad Land captured life living out of a van. It also covered the complexity of forming relationships when you are a moving target. This pod nugget is from the website The Verge. People choose to live out of their vehicles for various reasons. For some, it was forced on them financially. Others may like the adventure of traveling from seasonal job to seasonal job. But everyone living out of a van will have difficulty finding a kindred spirit. The problem is that most dating apps use location as a parameter for finding potential matches. And the nearest Walmart parking lot as an address lacks curb appeal. So other apps and websites have sprung up to address the unique lifestyle of these nomads. Nomad Soulmates is a Facebook group for remote workers and nomads to connect online. There's also Seeker, spelled S-E-K-R. This is an app for van lifers to find community, resources, and companionship as they move about. There's also Ferry Trail, another dating app for van lifers looking for love in a lot of different places. So nomads generally date other nomads since they share a common lifestyle. However, the relationships usually don't last, as one or the other will eventually choose to move on. So folks, don't sell the condo and hit the road unless you don't mind traveling alone. Be interesting to go to knock on your girlfriend's door and find that the door is gone. 
Kathleen O'Brien is the author of Grow Old and Be Happy. As our Chief Aging Officer, it's Kathleen's pleasure to bring you another commentary on the good news about aging. I've got this song stuck in my head. It's all right, it's okay, it doesn't really matter if you're old and gray. It comes from a British crime-slash-comedy series I've been watching about retired cops who return to work to solve cold cases. It's called New Tricks. I think they took their clever title from this podcast. Anyway, what bothers me about this little ditty is the way they use the words old and gray, as if the words are pejoratives. It doesn't really matter, the song sings along, will take you despite your old and grayness. They don't point out that these retired cops could have just the experience needed to solve tough cold cases because they are old and gray. I've been waiting a while for gray hair to grow in on my own head. Little strands are starting to appear, but my hair has been mostly dark blonde with lighter blonde highlights until a few days ago. I decided I wanted to coax the gray along, so I went to my hairdresser to have her put silver streaks into my hair to cover the blonde ones. She got carried away. Instead of a few silver streaks, my hair is now full of them. At first it was a shock, looking into the mirror, seeing my own silver-gray hair. Then I decided I liked it. Gray hair shrieks competence, confidence, maturity. I want people to know I have these things. This reminds me of a story New Age guru Ram Das told in one of his books. He was traveling back to India after having been away for 20 years. When an Indian friend first saw him, he rushed up and said, Ram Das, you're old. Ram Das was taken aback. But it's a compliment in India, meaning Ram Das would be respected, sought after, and listened to now that he had reached elderhood. Can we do more to encourage that kind of enlightened thinking here? Maybe we could start by rewriting a few songs. It's all right, it's okay, all the cool people are old and gray. It's our duty to increase your vocabulary with an occasional word or phrase that's just fun to say. And the phrase today is argle-bargle. <laughs> this is slang for an oral argument, and now Jim will use it in a sentence. Paul and I had an argle-bargle over whether to include this lightweight piece in our podcast. I lost. That zany Robert Durst has finally been found guilty of murder after decades of suspicion involving three different murders. This pod nugget is from the New York Times for September 17, 2021. Texas has always had a tradition of sensational murders and murderers. The murderers tended to have several things in common. They were wealthy, they had a celebrity attorney, and they were usually found not guilty. Such a fellow was Robert Durst. 
Granted, he wasn't from Texas, but one of his murders occurred in Galveston. He was worth a hundred million dollars from family-owned real estate in New York City, and his preferred attorney was Dick DeGaron, a well-known Houston lawyer. Check the money in celebrity lawyer boxes. The first murder of which he was suspected was his wife Kathy, who disappeared mysteriously in 1982 in New York. Fearing charges, Durst fled to Galveston, Texas, where he took on the persona of a mute woman (laughs) named Dorothy Kiner. Which brings us to murder number two. He was linked to the killing and dismemberment of a neighbor in Galveston. He was acquitted of the murder after claiming self-defense, although he did admit to dismembering the body and dumping it at sea. Check the box about being found not guilty, which brings us to murder number three. In Los Angeles, he was accused of killing Susan Berman, a longtime friend who had provided an alibi when his wife was murdered in New York. This time he was found guilty. Part of the evidence against him was a confession captured on an HBO documentary about Durst called The Jinx. Well, we never said he was the smartest murderer, just one of the richest. And so the 78-year-old Durst, in bad health, will spend his few remaining years in prison. Marcy Banner is, was, and always will be a lady of the theater. But that doesn't include just acting. A veteran of many productions, Marcy is also a veteran drama teacher who has brought the joys of acting to countless school kids for decades. Marcy, we know you are not from Houston. How did you end up here? I was born and raised in Chicago. I left there in 1970. But uh, prior to that, I was um, at the Goodman School of Drama in the 1960s and did some theater there. And then I met a man who lived in Houston, and here I am. (laughs) (laughs) The Goodman has a fantastic reputation. It turned out a lot of people who had successful careers. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting what what happens. Um, I really wanted to be in love and get married. Now, my mother has said to me, well, she used to say to me that if I had stayed in Chicago because it was just, you know, getting going in theater and becoming a little more important. She always said I'd be another John Malkovich. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Marcy, you left Chicago, which is a fantastic theater town, moved to Houston. And at that point, it wasn't a fantastic theater town. Uh, What did you do to get involved with the theater community? Well, that was interesting, too. Um, Like I said, things just have happened to me. I got married to this young man, um, and about three years later, we adopted a little boy. This is my life. I was having lunch with somebody, and she said, do you know anybody who wants to adopt a baby? (laughs) (laughs) seriously and i said yeah me (laughs) and i remember her reaction was well i didn't know you wanted children and i said well yeah i've always wanted children i i expect them to knock on my door and say take me in and so two months later we had a baby but what happened with theater in this does have a connection He was at preschool, and I went to pick him up one day, and he was probably four, and there was a girl there, 
directing these little children in a Christmas show. And I got to talking with her and told her my background. And she said to me, you need to go this weekend and audition at Main Street Theater. They're doing a kid's show. And, but I thought, well, okay, what the hell? Go <laughs> audition at this Main Street Theater, found out where it was, showed up, and got cast in a children's show called In One Basket. And that was that. I was back in the theater. Well, you know, that is fascinating, Marcy, because you are so involved now in teaching children how to act. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be one of your great joys in life that in addition to your own acting, you have been so involved in teaching little kids. Yeah. Yeah, I love children. I really do love children. They drive me nuts. <laughs> but I love them a whole lot. And they like me, which is nice. But even that is a weird story. When I was young, I was supposed to be a teacher. This was what women did. You know, there were certain things back then that women did. And um, my my grandparents on my mother's side, my granddaddy and my grandmother were both teachers. My mother was a teacher and I was to be a teacher. And oh, did I rebel. Oh, the idea of doing something that they were telling me I should do. And that's really why I went into the theater and I loved it. You know, you can't make a living in theater unless you're a star. So I started working in summer camps with children and um, through young audiences of, of Houston, after school programs, did all that while I had my own secretarial service that I ran out of my home so that I could just get up and leave if there was an audition somewhere. And um, I turned 60, or was close to 60, and I I thought, well, I better get a, a real job, because I'm going to need some money when I'm old, right? <laughs> My mother always told me I was going to be a bag lady. <laughs> but I, gotten, I, I told her I'd be a real cute one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... I, I um, had my degree. Then I thought, well, the only thing I'm going to teach is theater, acting, you know, fun theater exercises and games and voice and all that. And here again, this is what's so weird. I ran into a friend of mine and I knew she was teaching music at an elementary school. And she said to me, you'll never find a theater arts teaching job in an elementary school. They don't have them. And I thought, well, that goes out the window. And about a week or two later, I get a call. And the principal of that particular school where she was at had gone to California at some workshop and came back and decided she wanted a theater arts teacher. And so there was my first theater arts job in an elementary school. Just like that. It wasn't going to happen, but it happened for me. <laughs> and that's that's been my life story. Things just happen. The thing that was really funny was when you're a, a, a new teacher, no matter how old you are, you have to go to these new teacher seminars. And one of the guys that was teaching us what we were supposed to do said, you must love kids because nobody goes into teaching for the money. And I thought, what do you do if you're an actor? <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> 
Do you find that uh, being a senior like us too, uh, Jim and I, working with young people is very energizing? Well, it is. I mean, I'm going to be, I can't, I can't believe this. I'm going to be 75 in a month. And people say to me all the time, why aren't you retired? And I think, well, what would I, you know, in the summer, if these last couple of summers, the summer camp programs haven't been happening. And so I've been home. Now I have grandchildren and we do things, of course. But, oh, my God, I go crazy. I want to get up in the morning and go and do something. You know what? What It's having a purpose in life. I, I couldn't quite grasp why I kept doing it because it is stressful. I get stressed out, especially with computers and stuff. But it's somebody said something somewhere about people needing a purpose in life. And I thought, that's what it is. That's why I love what I do. And I have a purpose. And believe me, when little first grade children come up to you and give you a hug and say you're my favorite teacher, I mean, your heart sings. Well, you know, interesting, Marcy, listening to you talk, your life was like a, an adult game of shoots and ladders. You know, yeah, you, you yes. see you see an opportunity and you go for it. And when that doesn't work out, something else presents itself and you climb up another ladder. That's really true. I think you just have to be live your life being open to things. You know, that whole thing about a door closes or a window closes and door opens. But you have to be willing to say, okay, I'll go for this too. You know, yes. You can't close both the door and the window. <laughs> you have to leave one open. <laughs> Okay, here's one for you. Would people be surprised at a hobby you have? I have a dear friend who is also an actress, and she started doing paint by numbers. So this friend of mine, and she started posting them on Facebook, and I thought, paint by number? I did one of those once, a horse's face. I remember it when I was a child. And I thought, oh, my God, paint by number. Well, I think I've done six of them so far. And what's cool about it is the stress is school, and it is stressful. Don't don't get me wrong. I love it, but man, that's, there are times when I think, oh my God, <laughs> how long can I do this? But coming home and sitting down and focus all your attention, and it's quiet, and you're... And, now, I don't stay within the lines, I have to admit, and I add things and take things off, so it's not totally what was sent to me. When I got my first one, it scared me, I even because I thought, oh, God, you have to be so careful, and I remember calling my daughter and saying, do you think I could use a Sharpie and a, and a, and a ruler because I can't seem to make these lines straight? And she said, Mom, <laughs> I think you can do anything you want. And I thought, well, yeah, I guess I could. I keep worrying I'm going to ruin it. But then I think, well, so what? <laughs> I could just throw it out. What difference does it make? Marcy, we like to end our interviews with uh, encouraging our, our huh, a prayer. A prayer. Now, encouraging our, our interviewee to give us some advice about how to keep engaged and energized uh, as a senior. You got some advice for us? Well, I think I've given you some. 
keep open. Don't say no to things. Keep the doors and windows open. When things come your way, give it a chance. Don't give up. Find a passion and go for it. And I think that's so important. The minute you stop living, the minute you say, this is it, I'm retired, I'm going to sit on my couch and rest, you got plenty of time for resting when it's all over. You know, find things that you enjoy doing and get out there and do them. You know, do it with an open heart, find joy in other people, and get involved. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We could always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned, keep howling at the moon, and be sure to get yourself and your family vaccinated.